podcast where we talk about things with one super special guest every week. Just sit back, relax, and hear us speak on This Is Happening, the podcast. Hey, welcome back to This Is Happening. This is Eric Morris. And this is Doug Buton. Eric, what's happening? <laughs> well, this is happening. So today, we have a little bit of a change of pace. We haven't done something like this, you know, before. But I, it is something, you know, I want to do with this platform, such as such as it is. We're going to be talking, um, I, I mean, the, the impetus... A subject I know very well, that I'm very familiar with. <laughs> We're going to be talking about breast implant illness, um, which, you know, is something that is, is very, it's, it's just newly being acknowledged by the medical establishment. And so we have as our guests, Kristen Nobles. Hello, Kristen. Hi, guys. How Welcome. are you? Kristen has actually been in the background of one of our episodes, actually, when Christine Torres, our other guest, was a guest when we were uh, talking to her about her short film called Clark um, at the Nantucket <laughs> Film Festival. Hi, good morning, Eric. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. We are, we are, this is the other ra- rarity, is we are doing a daytime recording. Normally we're at night here in the underbelly of the undisclosed <laughs> Hollywood <laughs> location. But today there's sunlight. Eric, I didn't know you had a window in this place. <laughs> I also yes. would like to just welcome, of course, our listeners in Indonesia. Hello. Hi, Jakarta. Looks like you still got some rain um, for the next seven days. I want you to be careful. Corona has hit Indonesia. So bundle up, stay quarantined. And if you don't have a mask, get one. And what you need to do is stay close to your device where you can listen to Eric and me. Hello. <laughs> and don't come to LA. Really, it's raining every day in Jakarta. Oh, God, it's depressing. But it's 87 degrees right now. That looks like oh. an 82. No, it said 87 right there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it's already tomorrow. That's the that high. And it never mind. Yeah. <laughs> they're high? You're saying they're no, high? Especially high our listeners in, in Indonesia. <laughs> they're quite uh, So if you are a This Is Happening completist, you might have listened to the episode where we had Christine Torres on talking about, um, talking about Clark. Uh, Christine is a filmmaker, and she is going to be working with Kristen and me on a documentary about breast implant illness, which, you know, which I'm very excited to do, because the more I read about, you know, what it is and what people are going through, it, you know, I I just, I can't believe that more is not being done, you know, it's just like, really, it's, it's only a over the last few months that that um, it's getting acknowledged by the FDA and different medical um, groups. Um, and it's and, you know, it's a real problem. People are suffering and people are, you know, um, at a loss. Uh, it's still not something that can be officially diagnosed. It doesn't have a code. So I can't even imagine what kind of, you know, health insurance problems that causes. Well, also because a pro- I would imagine that procedures that women get done are generally elective procedures, right? So the the majority the, are right. So what people are suffering I mean, there, from there's is also the people result that have of something that was elective breast cancer and have you know their breasts removed. And oh, that's then, true. That's then true. that's not an elective. You know, like here in Los Angeles, I always think of it though purely as you know women who want bigger boobs. Well, Plus, actually, I watch a lot of TV. Well, and that's the number one I think issue with the industry. Unfortunately, is that 
um, you know, for me, so I'll just kind of jump in and tell you that my initial um, getting implants, my initial implants were in early 2000. I was a 25-year-old woman who had had a child, was divorced, was single, and really felt at the time that being a woman with a child, divorced and single, and my mom body, I would never find a new husband. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get loved, and I definitely bought into a lunch with two very famous supermodels. Um, I was rich at the time, and they spontaneously brought me to a doctor who was featured in Cosmo, and the next day I woke up with new boobies. And at that appointment, I was given the option to take a discount of $750 at the time, which to me, thinking back, I was spending money frivolously, so that was an outfit. And that discount allowed me to opt into the Silamed clinical trial. In, so the, what, what was that? Um, these implants were texturized. They were teardrop shaped. To be candid, they looked beautiful. But within six months, my life changed forever. Mm. Um, and after that, I went from being a mom bod, doing yoga, having a beautiful body, to be candid, before the implants were put in. And within nine months, I was on a feeding tube, which I then had for the next 10 years, on and off. Wow. And now the, the women that you were with, they did they have procedures done at the same time as well? Or had they already done them? They had already done them. Um, two of them, <clears throat> I won't out them because of HIPAA rights, but they are actually famous celebrities who speak on this issue. We've been in contact since. And then the irony is, I was actually diagnosed early on at UCLA in 2017. Um, Chris can share, I've spent probably 60% of my adult life in the hospital. Um, the last three years, I've had my first Christmases at home. Wow. Um, this year was my first birthday out of a hospital in 17 years. And what was fascinating to me was in February of 2018, I actually finally had the implants removed, spent $24,000 with UCLA, and was told by the head of plastic surgery, again playing into my desire to get a man and not be alone, that it was safe to put implants back in. So I actually became active in a website called Breast Healing, Breast, Breast Plant Healing Illness, Breast Implant Healing Illness on Facebook. Mm -hmm. In the three years I've been a member, it's grown to over a half a million members. Oh, wow. Um, and I began communicating with other women. And about a year ago, after three more surgeries and some very debilitating experiences, I asked if women were having any of these problems. Wait, I'm sorry. So you had this doctor at UCLA remove the textured ones, and you opted to have different ones put in their place. The same size? Same size. The textured implants that you had originally done in 2000, you said? Um, 2002. Uh, 2002. Um, uh, they were saline, sorry, they were uh, silicone filled? Saline. Saline filled. Saline filled but texturized implants. The texturized the, the casing of them is made of silicone. Yep, and all sorts of other chemicals that Chris can share. Um, and at the time, they were actually manufactured by a facility in Costa Rica, not the United States, which I've since looked back and realized that their manufacturing standards are very different than the U.S. Yeah. And what we're finding out, and you know, my whole quest in this is not only have I had it once, but I've had it twice. Right. So and what they put... Okay, so what they put in... To replace these when you had them out because of the problems that you were experiencing, what did they then put them put in to replace them in 2017? So I am the proud recipient of these horrible allergen implants, which are which have now been recalled. Recalled, and um, at the time they were put in my body, 
the doctors knew that they were being investigated for BIALCL. And BIALCL is a form of cancer. So if you think about HIV and AIDS, breast implant illness is this horrible inflammatory response, which Krishna can share some of the symptoms. I re- listen, I read some of those symptoms, and quite frankly, I suffer from most of them. <laughs> I was, I, got, I was a little concerned reading those symptoms that you sent over. It's fatigue, it's cranky, it's um, fever, chills, it's a lot, headaches. I, I got news. Joint and muscle you... pain, hair loss, um, swollen lymph nodes and glands, yes. Yes. IBS, yes. thyroid problems, yep. immune dysfunction. Oh, yeah. Do My you face have um, calf implants? Do you have pec implants? Well, this is not about me. <laughs> <laughs> so B- B-I-A-A-L-C-L is a, for, is a type of cancer. It's... Um, which it has now been acknowledged by at least the FDA um, to be associated with breast implant illness. Um, it's, and it stands for Breast Implant Associated Large Cell Lymphoma, which is a cancer of the immune system. Yes. Um, and, 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 it's a, and it can spread you know, through lymph, your whole lymph system, um, and so you can have tumors you know, all over the place. Which, unfortunately, is something that, um, you know, Kristen is experiencing right now. Yes, and have over the last... So my, my experience with this illness, and I don't like to call it a disease, and the reason I say illness is this is something for me that was really man-made. Um, had I not put these, you know, the initial well, implants in my body... Right. Um, do you feel... Do you, like, so how does that... What does that do to your frame of mind that you that you're taking ownership that you did this? Like, how do you grapple with that? So there's three things I really want to do about it, and I think the problem for me breaks down into three issues. Number one is the documentary is about how did these implants become legal again? Because many of us grew up trained that silicone was bad. And actually in college, I sat in on the Dow breast implant case as a lawyer-to-be and was able to ride along and hear the testimony of some women. So what happened to me is, number one, it created a lot of guilt. And so initially, as someone who runs an impact media company and has covered other issues, I wanted to figure out first and foremost, how did this happen? How did it come to be that I even had the option to buy this product? Right, because I I gather in 1992, the FDA stopped approving silicone breast implants, but then in 2006, they got reapproved. Exactly, and there's nothing that you can trace back, and Chris can talk to that. So for me as a patient and me as a filmmaker, I immediately went to my colleagues, and they've seen me so sick for years. And there was a, it was freedom, and at the same time, I became Aaron Brockovich. Because I wanted to know how this became legal. How did I get this in my body? And ultimately, how do I stop it? Because if that legislation didn't stop it, how did this come to be? And what I found out immediately was that the implants that were put back in me in February 2018, they already knew there was a problem. I was actually diagnosed with lymphoma 13 years ago, which was probably my first bout with BIALCL, but they didn't associate it. Right, right, right. So now, since then, I've had tumors removed. I've gone deaf. I've had a paralyzed face with Bell's palsy. I've had a tumor lymph node removed from my neck, one from my perineum. And for all you ladies out there, it's like getting your vagina tightened because they have to cut out. Oh, well, that actually between your sounds anus and your for many people. They found deposits in your, the ear. Your immune system is completely compromised. It's compromised. And so also number two is I wanted to find a path to treatment. And we decided to do a second project in the last five days because the experience to find doctors who could actually discuss this with me 
what I realized is it's not just the manufacturer allergen that made these gummy bear implants that are inside me. And if you think about it, and I step back, I've been lucky to live around the world, and I have friends from other cultures who've talked to me about the fact that I shove something up underneath my breast muscle to augment my body to be more attractive to men. But I'll go to their African town and wonder why they're stretching their lips. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I really looked at that, and Chris and I have talked a lot about that in this, and I take ownership over the fact that we really need to redefine what beauty is for each individual and stop letting a company standardize looks. Because right. I look now in the mirror, and to be candid, 20, 20 years later, there's nothing special about these. I look like every other girl who got these boobs. I'm going to look at your boobs. And I'm they're huge now, you know. right? <laughs> so for me, you know, number two is finding a path to treatment. And so the second thing was, I really went crazy, suffered terrible depression, because as someone who found herself a solution provider, going to doctors, several plastic surgeons, and several oncologists don't know enough to believe in this yet. And so you're diagnosed with other illnesses. And so being able to put my finger on the fact that this is it, you know, I don't have fibromyalgia, I don't have multiple sclerosis, I don't have epilepsy, I actually have an immune disorder, and there's a solution, but now you have to figure out how to get it out. And so we're talking about doing a series in conjunction with the documentary because the movie's going to take too fucking long to come out. Excuse my French. I am part of a site where women message us every day, and the biggest issue is getting a path to treatment. And then the last step is building a community where you can get access to safe support. Yesterday I met with a doctor, and I'm going through the process of getting more lymph nodes removed and being re-diagnosed, and we'll know in two weeks if I have BIALCL again. But after being re-implanted in February 2018 and finding out that the doctor at UCLA took implants off their shelf that they already knew was a problem and put them in a BII patient is pretty upsetting because they wrote a letter to my family saying if I didn't have the other implants out and we didn't pay $24,000, I would die. So what matters to me is that I can create media for women and trans people, cancer patients, anybody who's had to go out there and enhance themselves for whatever reason to say, okay, this is why it happened through watching the documentary and really take on Allergen and take on the FDA and ask insurance companies to do one thing, which is cover this issue. I shouldn't have to sell my car, my stock, my insurance should cover this. Right, but I'm, I imagine there's a conflict of interest, right? Because this is a huge moneymaker for people. And I would imagine it's going to be an uphill climb and that you're maybe going to want to get some security detail. Yes. I watch a lot of Netflix, a lot of these thrillers. You're going to get, get a wig, stay incognito, and get a security detail. Well, what's interesting is I've been part of another film, which I won't name drop now, but we dealt with some issues and we took on things and we changed legislation. And you're you absolutely can drop right. names. We're among friends Well, we here. took on Merrick. And, you know, we proved that there was a conflict for them having certain types of patents on vaccinations. And I work for vaccination safety, not anti-vaccination. But when you take on big pharma or big, you know, manufacturing companies and you're outing them, Chris can tell you as an attorney, there's already been a settlement in this case. And so allergen, what they've valued a female life and explant on, is very undervalued. Mm. So I've actually hired an attorney to represent me. His name is Mark Robbins. He's a pretty amazing man. He's won the Telk case, but he also won the case in the 90s. Let me, let me step in and just give the audience a brief history of breast implants and the litigation um, sure. surrounding it. So um, in 1962... Uh, Timmy Jean Lindsay was the first woman who was implanted with silicone implants. Um, also, 
1975, the first study with uh, uh, showed that silicon in, uh, implanted into mice caused immune deficiencies. So since 1975, we've known that if you put silicon in your body, uh, it's going to cause a lot of disaster to your immune system. Um, then uh, in uh, skipping, uh, I guess jumping ahead to 1992, the first cases against Dow Chemical were filed. They were at the time they were the only company that was making silicone implants. Now, just uh, the they were they were fill the implants themselves with silicon, and since then they've like filled them with saline. But nonetheless, the shells themselves are made of silicon. And they use the silicon in your in your body. Yeah, and they and even that's what's by touching names, right? Yep. Like they'll yeah. come up with a different product name, but it's still right. the same right, right. chemical compound. Exactly, it's all it's all silicon, and silicon sweats. So when it puts you when it when it like like a glass of water, when you have uh, it, it's cold water on the outside of the glass, you'll see the sweat from right, the water, right. the condensation. Well, that's is what that's silicon. That's what happens to the silicon so that's in your body. Ah. So it's leaking into your body. Minute amounts, and it depends on how, uh, how much fortitude your body has to resist this, um, but at the same time, you're being slowly poisoned and your immune, your immune is being compromised. Is Sweaty silicone. Like the, exactly. the, the leaking silicon as a foreign object in your body. Right. And so right. it gets diverted from doing what it's supposed to be doing. And then it can't exactly. take care of your body, so the demise of your other systems... You know, I've lost 90% of my, like, the joke is there's a lot of organs and things I don't have, but, like, this year I'm a 46-year-old athlete. I've had a bilateral hip replacement. In both hips. Both hips. But, oh, God, you're a mess. Over the last so, year, you had both Oh, I am one bionic midge duck. <laughs> <laughs> they won't be able to burn me Hold because on. I'm a toxic bag. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. And um, all right, so just to, in 1992, just to round this out, in 1992, um, there was a class action lawsuit brought in the state of Louisiana against Dow Chemical, um, which over the course of, as everyone knows, litigation takes time. And by 1997, Dow Chemical had lost that suit and had to pay out to the class of women who had sued them, and that caused them to go bankrupt. So, but in 1992, when the suit was initially filed, the FDA put a moratorium on breast implants, um, on silicon breast implants, um, which wasn't lifted until uh, Allergen and Mentor, the company Mentor. Uh, Ironic. In, in, in 2006, somehow, nobody knows, somehow convinced uh, that technology had advanced, and right. that now, no, this is totally and now, right. ten yeah. years later, fifteen no years later, the um, the breast implants, the silicone breast implants, are now safe. Now, let me ask magically you, because beside our Indonesian friends, we we do have at least six male listeners. So <laughs> um, you mentioned something like a calf implant. So is the same sort of technology what's used? for implants across the board. So if, if, we're t if a man does have a, a calf implant or yeah. ass implant, th this would apply to them as well, no? Indeed, yeah. Okay, yeah. so we just, I try to make it relatable for yeah, everyone. Yeah. Well, and here's well, the other thing with men, what are the things I found, yeah, and this is really important. No, this is really important. Mm -hmm. People who suffer the most in this illness, I'm the patient, I'm suffering from the brain fog, the problems. 
But the men who've come out to support this issue because they've lost wives, daughters, mothers. Um, our site consists of probably a 15% male Q&A. People writing in, asking me how to save their friends, their sisters, and people that they know and are seeing this issue happen. If you take a picture of a woman as a photo, and we actually you know, countered the allergen marketing with this is how old, this is how much weight you'll gain, this is how much hair you'll lose. In the pre and post pictures, women do not look better post-implant. And once they take them out, they actually look 10 years younger. So for the men in the audience, what I would say is if you know a woman and you see her suffering like she has the flu all the time, or she's not mentally there, or she's bloating or swelling or complaining of joint pain, exhausted, can't remember things, and she has implants, Google those implants. When we go out now and speak, when I pitch men, at least 50% of the time, I identify a new victim through their husbands, their boyfriend, or their brother. And they're actually the biggest advocates because they have the strength right now to go fight for us. Right. You know, and the attorney who represents me and the men who've stepped up, they've been amazing. And I think that's an important thing. And there's a trans population here. And I was at a wonderful store that I love, Mark Jacobs, and I met a woman who I'm now dear friends with who was trans. And within seconds, I am in rooms grabbing people's tits. It's very anti what the establishment wants right I now. Have a dime for every time I said that. <laughs> but as I walk into the room, this woman is like, oh my God, you're amazing. And we actually shared this story that I, my daughter bought me this beautiful purse because I just had my explant and I had replacement. And I was actually teaching her about BII. She shared with me how she got her implants and where they came from and how sick she was. And she's actually one of the girls we're crowdfunding for to get explanted. And she's facing this challenge of how are the men and women in my life going to look at me post-explant? Because this is something she worked really hard to have. Think about it. Like, she wanted to feel feminine. And so with this, and I'll let Chris finish, but what amazes me is that the marketing plan to all of a sudden magically make these safe, it wasn't always written by men. And so that's the thing Chris will touch on is that this isn't a male-female issue. This is a lack of corporate consciousness mm -hmm. and corporate conscious capitalism and now the problem has become so big and american culture no? exactly i mean i think that's that's a big part of it I, again as somebody who watches a lot of you know bravo television and and stuff it's it's sort of expected that a woman would have had implants if i'm going to see her on the television it, I would assume that she has How else do you become a California dime? Teeth, tits, and a tan. That's right. And yeah. that's what I was sold. But, but I do, you know, uh, it has sort of crept its way into the zeitgeist in that more and more women are getting explants that, that, and, and that's talked about on air. And so I, I, I didn't know it was purely or could be because of just medical reasons and, and the dangers that were associated, which I did not know about. Um, well, how many women are actually, when they go into the doctor's office and say, either um, I've just had a mastectomy, I'd like to have um, my breasts reconstructed, or I have uneven breasts and I'd like them to be even, or I feel less than and would like to feel more feminine, mm -hmm. you name the reason. But how many women at that point in the plastic surgeon's office are said, well, okay, you can have these breast, plant, uh, these breast implants and you know, whatever you desire will will um, bestowed on you, and but um, you also may feel really shitty for the rest of your life, or you may be really really ill, 
or you may get cancer. I mean, none of you know, like People when you buy when you buy a pack of, of smokes, is, yeah. when you buy a pack of cigarettes, they have these warning labels on it that say you're gonna die if you smoke. <laughs> well, and we it's, care. it's only and then been we, in the last few months that the FDA is, is now recommending like a draft of warning labels that should go on, you know, implants yeah. about yeah, and what's, what warned they're about. made of. No, for sure not, because it's a sales, the, the do, in this instance, the doctor is a salesperson. And right. well, right. more, right. more they're, importantly- They're selling this, upselling. Yeah. And also- Ironically, the, since they're the doctor. Yeah, right. And, I mean, and the, and the thing is too, like- First, do no harm. It, you know, like, I, you know, I don't know how you've, you know, come to terms with it. You kind of discussed it a little bit, but like, you know, if, if you're, you know, a woman and you decide for cosmetic and appearance reasons that you, you know, and for self-esteem reasons or whatever, that you want to have these implants, you know, so you made this elective choice, you know, to do it, but you also put your trust in a doctor, you right. know, like you, you went to someone and, and an said, economy, what, you know, what, you know, I, I assume that this is going to be safe and it's not going to kill me. Well, you just hit on the keyword, Eric, and I think if one thing came out of this for me, because it's very important in all of this to find this, the opportunity and the crisis. And for me, what the awakening moment was is consumers. I don't care if you're buying a can of milk, a cosmetic, or you're putting a medical device in yourself. You need to be informed what your body's capable of, what you're buying, and who you're buying it from. Because as someone who works in the investment community, if I had researched allergen in their practices, I never would have given them a dime. Mm. But I was so caught up, and this is a really important thing to say, I work in entertainment, and as an executive producer, creator, writer, whatever I do, I recently watched a show where a woman was told in order to get a record deal, she needed to have her body done. And so if you think about these branding terms like mommy makeover, California dime, or how silicone all of a sudden was safe again. Or the swan. Remember the swan? Oh, the swan. Imagine oh, where those ladies are was, now. They, I remember something with, they did a teeth, lot of teeth, tits, right? Teeth, hair, extensions, and overnight, you, they everything. And so you and think about this. canceled before I could sign up. See, that's the problem. Is I, If you said to me, I'm going to make you take a nap for two hours, and when you wake up, everyone else is going to think you're super hot, I would probably do it. I'm that shallow. What, what doctor? You go to a doctor and say, doctor... Please, can you implant cancer in my body? What doctor is going to say, yeah, let me do that for you? Well, but but that's marketing. <laughs> that's the difference. Well, and it's you also know. the breakdown between medicine and sales. So I think right. what that's, we're hitting on That's here what is, I'm saying. Is it's, I can't this go sounds like a doctors. sales. Right. I cannot go after these doctors because they were sold something. What I can But do isn't it unethical if they knew that? They didn't know. Oh, they, the they didn't know. I thought you well, said that, that UCLA know did know. They knew that the for, implants for, were warned. For and the um, clean, clean this the up replacement. First. Well, and I say, here's why I can't go after Ju the Just jump in. <laughs> this is what my lawyer will tell me. I cannot go after the doctors because there's no lawyer that's going to spend $20 million to fight someone for a million. There's a cap on medical battery in the state of California. So the decision I've made is the system's broke. I am not going to take more money out of the system. You what know, I, you know what, what I am going to do is do a movie, go after Allergen, raise yeah. a marriage. The manufacturers. I hope, and I hope every doctor sees this. And if 20 doctors all of a sudden see my story and the other women we're going to feature in the series and in the movie, and they learn about this manufacturer and they make a different choice based on that, we move the needle. Because suing people isn't going to make this better. Allergen, yes. But these hospitals, they were dependent on the FDA, the manufacturer. Right, they put their trust in it. Exactly. Dow Chemical went bankrupt because of their involvement in breast implants. Um, you had your boobs uh, removed in, what, 17? 2018, February. 2018. In 2019, the boobs that they put into her 
were also recalled. Um, so, uh, Allergen has had um, two recalls now, and uh, maybe we can help make them go back. How do you find out that your boobs were recalled? Like, do you get a letter in the do you know mail? How, I find how do you out? find out? I don't think they tell you. They don't tell you, and here's how I found out. I actually, in February 2018, after explaining and getting diagnosed with BII, joined a website. And another woman saved my life. And what happened was I put a message up and said, did anybody have problems after implantation the second time? And the response from all these women was like, what the hell are you talking about? And I put this message up about six months ago. So now I've had these in me 18 months. I'm suffering. I'm getting sicker. I'm not having this euphoric, feel better, lose weight feeling they promised me and go out and live your life again. And in fact, you, quite the reverse. You thought you did the right thing by removing those the really bad ones, the textured ones first, so you thought you would rectify everything. And paid $24,000 to save my life, which is a lot of money. Right. And when this woman wrote back and she said, what do you mean? They don't put them back in. And what do you have? So I wrote to my doctor, who's my primary. I asked her to pull my surgical report. On the report, it should state the type of implants you have. Now, also, when you go home from any sort of augmentation, they give you a little card, which they cut off the box your implants came in, and oh, you have a serial yeah, number. Okay. Now, I don't know where women keep that in your house, if you have a box of, you keep just for <laughs> implant cards, but I did not keep mine. So when I called the doctor, she wrote back, and that's the day my whole life changed and why we're here and we're all making a movie. Because she wrote the name, I Googled it, and I found the FDA report. And at that moment, I called the head of medical patient relations at UCLA and said, I want my money back. I want to talk to you guys. This doctor killed me. And she said, you need to sue him for medical battery. Goodbye. Now, since then, I've gone into the process to try and figure out how to get these out of me, which involved meeting with an attorney. Mm -hmm. Cold called Mark Robbins, who's one of a pretty big super attorney in the state of California. I think I left a nine-minute message on his voicemail. At his office, his assistant called me back, arranged a meeting, thank God, two days later. Went to his office, and thank God, I took an attorney with me who's part of my venture fund, and he told me three things not to do. One is, immediately, these two implant companies are going to blame my problems on each other, and they're probably going to go at it for years and say, you killed her, you killed her, you killed her. So number two, he said, we read your background. You're in the entertainment business. You need to keep working, and we, you cannot take this laying down. What do you want to do about it? Please help us help you. And we discussed the movie that moment. And I felt like Aaron Brockovich. And I bring her up all the time because I saw the movie as a kid. I really always wanted to be a lawyer. And I sat in on that trial. And I had flashbacks in that meeting. And then I started to go online to my community of women in Facebook. And I notified them that the day we state that we identify. And I say this to you guys sitting across from me and my lesbian producer that you don't identify with your breast implant illness. You identify with your sexuality. You identify with your fan, fan base. But to identify Hi, is Mom. BII. <laughs> well, this is important to me. Because, it's not a shock. Well, this is important to me. I'm, I am. I need a moment. Right? No one you're done. So for me, they said you identify with this. At the point you identify and make a social media post or say anything to anybody, including your friends that you have BII, you enter into what they call the one-year statute of limitations. Number three that happened immediately is I started looking for doctors. And they were treating symptoms during this time. I went deaf. I lost my vision. I've had a brain infection where I've almost died. I've had a spinal fluid leak. I've had both of my hips replaced. I've had over 
600 seizures. I no longer drive, and in that time, I had to get to a doctor, which I meet with this afternoon. And the process to get a For a cracked trachea. Oh. So the problem is, is that when you go into this process and you're looking for a doctor, you need to find someone who's bought into the concept. And then number two, you're trying to find people who have a treatment plan. You know, I mean, Kristen is, is a you know, good friend of mine. We, we worked together on a, a documentary about Woodstock and, um, and became close in that process. And I, you know, I, I visited, uh, you know, she's been in the hospital many times over the last, you know, year. We signed our um, first deal there. We did. We, <laughs> we, we executed our, her investment agreement in, in the documentary. Um, but, you know, I, I visited you in the hospital many times. Um, and I, what, what I can't imagine the frustration, because even when you're in a hospital, like a very good top-notch hospital, the people cycling through, the nurses and people like giving you certain things, they're not, you know, they're not necessarily up to speed on the totality of what you have. So they may be giving you something that will make things worse or that, you know, that that's not prescribed for someone with your condition. And then you and you like on a daily basis in the hospital have to like take them through like I want to make sure you know this I want to make sure you know I have this I'm also you know working to do this is this thing that you're giving me going to have any adverse effect you know on you know on this tumor or this you know healing this or what you know so it's and they all treat different parts of your body so the most right. important thing is this is a plastic surgery issue right now and they'll say like well I, I don't know anything about that exactly well that's why about it's about keeping the whole team informed and and now the 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 need to keep all of your own medications and conditions and doctor's notes organized and together because different teams of doctors are going to have to talk to each other and nobody is going to care about your health the way you care about your health. Yes, you have to be your own advocate. And um, you have doctors who say, okay, uh, yeah, you have this symptoms, you have this illness, but I can't treat it until you do this first. So you go to that doctor to get that done first. And they're like, well, okay, you have this, but you can't do anything with this until you do that first. Mm -hmm. So you're just, you're having these circular arguments about nobody wanting to do anything. With people with whom we're, we put and, our and trust they, in, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I know it's it's frustrating as a patient. Um, and then, you know, but having to, having so many doctors involved in your care. One of the biggest um, So things, many specialists. One of the biggest things can be very frustrating. Of course. For me, the, you know, my counter, there's 500,000 women in one site I'm a member of. There's only been 565 women actually diagnosed with BIACL. And that's important, BIACL, and it's important to look at that because there's millions of women with these implants in them. There's hundreds of thousands of women on each and every one of these sites. They're getting organized. But most importantly, I'm in the diagnostic process to get these out. And I will say that there's 13 doctors involved who all do not agree on the plan. Um, Chris and Eric and everybody see me going to UCLA between plastic surgery, oncology, immunology, rheumatology, neurology, cardiology. I see every division of UCLA because this has penetrated every portion of my body. Mm -hmm. Internal medicine. Internal medicine. I have an eye doctor. I have a... Um, acupuncturist there that tries to work with me and at the end of the day what I've realized is that for me and the women out there the biggest diagnosis is anxiety and it gets negated down to hysteria which happens a lot with women and on Monday 
I was sent into the emergency room because I'm unable to swallow, I'm choking, and I'm horribly anemic, and I haven't eaten in seven days. And the ER doctor, who's seen me there a couple of times, comes in. They could not get a line in me because my blood access is so bad now. And he gets frustrated and just tries to send me home. I asked to see the head of the ER, who I know at Cedars, David, and unfortunately he wasn't there in that moment. So by the time I get home 15 minutes later, David calls me, begs me to come back, said there was one test that showed something, and what we were asking for was three things. A CAT scan on my throat to see what's happening right now, a CAT scan on my abdomen to see if I was having an issue causing this horrible bloating and pain, some treatment, meaning IV fluid and things because I hadn't eaten in seven days, and to get a look at my blood panels to see where I was at with my blood. Mm -hmm. When I went back in, they brought in a new doctor telling me that I should not worry about not eating because I ate five days ago and to go home. And I'm a pretty strong, tough woman, and I cried, but I had to go back. I didn't have a choice. And the nurse who took care of me also works in a prison. And I told her my story, and like you guys said, she never heard about this. She left. We're Facebook friends now. We're tight. The doctor who ended up taking care of me apologized. But as a patient, you have to every day make a choice to not get hysterical, not get mad, not look wrong. Because if someone tags your chart, that follows you for every doctor, right. every hospital. So the biggest problems is we're accused of being anxious, drug-seeking, or you get diagnosed with fibromyalgia or one of three other diseases, which we as patients all share as the joke to tag you is no problem at all. And so with that, what I say to people, and I really encourage in this, is that for me, educating these doctors and having them meet us in a system that's overwhelmed by thousands of other illnesses is important because it's education. And number two, as a patient, it's treatment. And it's not about just treating the disease, but also the personality you develop to deal with the disease and finding an advocate. If I didn't have my friends to fight for me at times where I've lost my fight, I would not be here because the suicide rate in this is so high. And it doesn't have an age range. It doesn't have an ethnicity. It doesn't have a type of person that gets it because we all bought into it. Well, one of my questions was, is how long after a procedure, is there a, like a, an average time that people start seeing and feeling um, effects or, or symptoms of this or you know is it does it really run the gamut like somebody who had implants 30 years ago or what you know will they just all of a sudden be able to attribute um, what's overwhelming is actually it ranges the board um, and we have women that have been sick for years mm -hmm. but they didn't know they were sick from this from this so right. they associate it with other things I think Eric I am, I am willing to make a stand and say we should not Accept that sponsorship from Allergen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to put my foot down. You know, I was on the fence for the last 40 minutes. Okay. Do we take that spot? I think we say I'm, no. I'm going to undo that paperwork. Yeah. No. Okay. So, Allergen, <laughs> thank you for your interest in us, but we are not interested in you. So, I just wanted to share this quickly. This is one site that I'm a part of, and it's a private site, but what you can see with these women, and I'll let you scroll through that the was post. Oh, is that the Facebook? Yes. Yeah. And so, the posts, you know, are all different ranges, but the desperate is the same. It's the, power, the power of Facebook. I don't know if you saw Don't Fuck With Cats, but you know, a Facebook group found that serial killer. It's called Breast Implant Illness and Healing. Um, and this is the one that was started by Nicole Deruda? Yeah. Well, um, Nicole Deruda is a moderator in it. Deruda. Okay. Yeah. But and she might have formed the... Yes. The... Uh, the... The... Um, and Nicole's group. taken a lot of heat. You know, and people penetrate our Facebook page now that are from Allergen. 
They come in and take our posts down and use them as evidence in court. And so I think it's important, you know, the third thing I want to accomplish is give us a face, a safe place to communicate, right. which is a private app. Because unfortunately, Allergen is a major sponsor. They are a big company and they also lobby a lot. So people like Mark Zuckerberg can hide our posts. Um, but what I'm also seeing pop up is people advertising to us as attorneys wanting to represent us, which is exciting. So I think social media is a really important way to get the story out and to start talking to people. Right, and what do, you, what do you think about that? There's a, because in doing research about it, it might have been something that Chris sent me a link to, but there's a, there's a website called healingbreastimplantillness.com. Yep. Um, that's Nicole's site. That's, that's her site. Yeah. So it's yeah, kind yeah. of like um, connected to the Facebook group. I think the more um, people who start a page, the more people who share their story, the more people who post on social media, this is why I'm sick, because that's what's saving my life right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what is really urgent about, you know, the documentary that we're doing and maybe, you know, other things that, that will spring from that, maybe a docu-series or whatever. But whatever can be done to shine a light on this, because we're, we're in the very early, early days of having this as an acknowledged condition that people can get treated for, you know, it's, it, because there, there's just not enough known. That's an amazing point. We worked on another movie around autism, and, you know, that went through the same thing, where people couldn't name what their child had. And my mother died of a brain tumor. We named it because she wanted to kill it, and she needed an identity for it. And if you think about life, being able to articulate your problem and go after it's key. And so now that we can name it and we have doctors who support us, it's important for the next phase to find the path to treatment. And yeah, to, I mean, it's a little bit like what people have gone through with Lyme disease. Absolutely like that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, because it, it's like there, it, it causes so many different problems and people get diagnosed with, with that. But then, you know, just in terms of treating it and identifying it and, and putting all of these conditions under one umbrella diagnosis, um, I think it's really important. And, and it, it's information. And combating this perception that we did it to ourselves, because I think the most thing is taking ownership that, you know, with the movie and with the online community, we're going to launch in these series, and we want to do some events with women that are survivors. The most important thing that's come out of this for me is relationships with other women and compassionate people who are really seeking to understand. My Uber driver who dropped me here asked to pray for me. You know, I've shared this story at restaurants. I've shared it in pitches with investors and talked to their wives. And I think, not to sound corny, but getting women to talk about their breasts and their health and their wellness is really important. Do you have a way that you encourage people to contact you about this? Is it, is it in the Facebook group? I mean, should they, should they go to Breast Implant Illness and Healing um, on Facebook and ask to join that and then, you know, put their messages out? Because um, I, I just want to have a tangible... You know, a place to send people. Place to send people if they're hearing this and 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 wonder about their own or know someone that could be suffering from this. You know, what what can they do? We're actually starting an online community now. Um, we should have it launched by Tuesday. Um, but absolutely, immediately join any support group online. Just contact the moderator and make sure they're there. Um, I'm on Facebook as Kristen Nobles as all of, in all these groups, and I actually do coach patients and communicate with several people at a time. Um, I tend to post one question a day to organize people around issues and find out if it's a real issue. So, for instance, I asked the other day how many women had been sent home from the ER and called back, and hundreds of women responded. Um, you know, and I think that's important to go there. Number two is contact the doctor 
who is your primary care and mm -hmm. ask them to pull your surgical report from your plastic surgeon or contact them directly. Mm -hmm. um, there's a chain of command of information that is required in the state of California and look at what state you're in, what rights you have. Um, immediately, the most important thing is also to contact your insurance company and ask them what the requirements are for explant because every company is different. And so I think getting in part of a support group and talking to other women is really important. The other thing is these support groups work with girls who are considering implantation. And what Chris brought up that's really important is this. There could be a screen to know if you are predisposed to have an inflammatory response to a device. They've identified some genes and there's things happening. But my most important call to action for people is talk to each other. So even if you don't reach out to me, if you have five friends with breast implants, ask any of them. Are you having symptoms? Find out what's in you and then Google it. You may have had or have a condition that made you more susceptible to these problems than other people. That's what, like there's an underlying... there are, you know, there are people that have had implants, you know, that haven't had the road, you know, that you've had. Yep. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, you know, this is what the these... This is what this procedure and having these things in your body did to you. For me, these gummy bear implants are bad. Um, and we know that. Because but there's no association with the actual gummy bear. No, I love those. Made by Haribo. <laughs> and Haribo, we do welcome your sponsorship of This Is Happening. And thank you for your continued supply of money and gummy bears. <laughs> um, I mean, so do you... Um, um, I didn't mean to throw you with your, the gummy bears. I your just didn't want to scare them Your away. second, you know, implant, the replacements, have those caused much more problems yes. than the first? My initial response to the first implants was more digestive. I became gastroparetic, which is a disease called gastroparesis, where you don't have um, the ability to digest. You have no peristalsis. And that was used with a feeding tube. We got through that. And then when we took these out, ironically, my gastroparesis, we thought had slowed and I was getting better. And then I got the inflammatory response and the acceleration of joint, all sorts of problems. And so with the allergen ones, what was great is we could actually track these symptoms. They were recognized by the FDA. I know for a fact that they can correlate the two. But what's scary is that if you think about a breast cancer patient who did reconstruction and now has allergen in her, has, it's, uh, imagine how it's deflated bad on you top feel. Of worse or it's worse like someone took a bomb out of you and now put in a worse bomb. Right. Because so you, you have nothing in you right now. Oh no, I have these implants in me every day. You do. We're still working so to get them taken out. Oh, because you were advised not to get no. an explant, or the process to take implants out is not covered necessarily by insurance. You have to go through the diagnostic problem. You have to lobby against your insurance company. And the average woman is facing a $30,000 expense. So I just found out five months ago that these were recalled. I waited to see a, I had to get a mammogram, a sonogram. I had already had existing fluid-filled cysts. I was having swelling. I have lymph nodes under my arm. However, I had secondary conditions that they were treating while they were trying to prove this. But I, you know, I have a car and it has a recall. I don't have to pay to have anything done to it. Why? So you're saying... It, it amazes me that you have to jump through all those hoops for a product that's been recalled. Yeah. Well, even worse. So then I find out there's $7,500 available to me if I find a, sign a full release from allergen. Oh. So if I go take $7,500 right now, y'all, it's not enough to even pay to get them out. 
Right. And then I tell Allergen, if I have cancer after the biopsy, or find out I have cancer two years right. from now... Right. Well, it's a waiver. You won't go after them. No. You won't them. So that release made it impossible. So now what I've been trying to do is pursue a path to be strong enough and be cleared for surgery. Given my heart condition and the problem with my throat right now, what they've determined in the last 48 hours is we actually have to deal with my lymph nodes, mm -hmm. do biopsies, and determine if the cancer is in my lymph nodes and if I have it. If I do, explant will actually probably happen, but I would have to treat the cancer and get strong enough to get them out. So I'm learning the process right now. I meet with oncology, um, blood oncology, hematology this afternoon, and then we'll schedule a biopsy of the lymph node in my arm. And then I'm going to interview three doctors who take no insurance, but do this. There's only, Chris, how many explant doctors in the U.S. that are actually... Oh, not very many, but um, explant is considered elective surgery, so it's not covered under your health insurance. But really it product. seems to me like if people used some kind of sense, all the money that her insurance is paying for the cancer and the immunology and for the internal and the heart for things and the in hips her body that are continuing to make her sick. If they just paid to take out the boobs, she'd be fine. Well, she'd heal. It and seems like from that would be a lot cheaper. Yes, of course, in the long run, and for multiple people. So and I have to make a multiply choice. this by the four hundred thousand, approximately four hundred thousand women a year who implant. That was a question, man. So four about four hundred thousand women a year implant. Wow, that's a lot of boobs. Mm-hmm. That's Are 800,000 a year. That's 800,000 Oh, that's right, because most women have two of them. Right? It's amazing. <laughs> Are there now... I wouldn't, I've never felt one, but I've, I've Wanna seen Want to touch it? No, uh, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Are there I now... My first feels like boob. a stress ball. This year, I saw my very first naked female oh my God. in person. <laughs> it was like put into my face. <laughs> I have not seen that before. Me too! Me too! <laughs> <laughs> Are there now... Was it Harvey Weinstein? Uh, no. Are there now entirely safe implants that don't cause these problems? I mean, is there such a thing? I don't know. You're putting a foreign object in your body. A padded bra is yeah. probably the safest. Chicken cutlets. You, yes, put, <laughs> you, put, you put a kidney. They check to make sure that it matches. Um, and even then, you have to take medication to make sure that your body right. doesn't reject that. I mean, and I'm that's just, like, doctors have carefully matched that kidney to your specific but there body. Are, I'm there just are wondering how, recalls and problems. Right? How does Heart, this problem you know, end? What you know, I believe is this. I mean, just this. like, the pro does the procedure get totally banned and people can't do it? Or what? Then well, it'll number be worse. one, I think you need a place to, with the facts. That. You know, in the world of fake news, unfortunately, we all have to be honest in this room that marketing drives purchases, which drives new markets and economies. And right now, nobody was calling Allergen on the facts and the rebranding of silicone. So what's really exciting is that the FDA stepped in, they're creating a fact base, and they are opening up research and trials. So what I really want to create is a safe space for women to share their stories, to get access to people who care, and to sign for legislation that requires health insurance to cover this. And we need to lobby, and we need to become loud enough that everybody around us cares enough to take this to Congress because it's the only way it's gonna change. And then number two is to out allergen. And for every person who is going in to meet with a medical doctor who's going to put this in them, I would love there to be a full disclosure. So Arizona, I believe, just passed a law that requires the notification of risk. And I think that's really important. And so if you're a woman out there thinking about getting breast implants, it's a personal choice. 
but do your research, find out what your options are, and then think about the long-term effects. And if you're a person who currently has breast implants and you don't feel well, or you know someone, do your research, Google what you have, and join a group to start to be part of this movement. Because the only thing I can do is create ways to inform people and educate them about what I'm going through and to share what I learned. Because we live in an age where if I go to a doctor today and I found out they have a solution, I'm not gonna hoard that information. I'm gonna give it to 500,000 people on my site and hope he can help her too, or she can help her too. And so really promoting this concept of helping others, sharing information and creating community around this and education. Through Cinema Libre Studios and the movie, what I'm really excited about is I found a studio that was not afraid to tell my story, distribute a movie and take on allergen. And to do that, it's not going to be easy because we're going to have to combat all the people who contact me every day and tell me I'm ruining women, I'm getting rid of tits and ass, and I tell people to become ass men, don't write me, and really understand that I'm not here to tell every woman what to do. And people get implants in their ass too, I just have to say. And I know a woman who had a pellet put in her ass. So people, yeah, that's a new thing for hormones. Yeah, it's a thing. But, um, <laughs> a that, pellet of what? I don't know. A pellet of... Um, Testosterone, different testosterone and um, estrogen, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I'm like, I grew up in the country. I'm like, she got shot with a BB gun? They put, they put this pellet right in your ass, and then it dissolves over time. And that's a new treatment that women are getting. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's a word right <laughs> oh, now what? I stay away from. New what and is improved. that supposed to help you with? With mood, with libido. Shut up. Um, <laughs> shut up and let's get let's get nasty. No, for real. So, but but um, it's not about it's not about um, finding a substitute from tits to ass. It's also about how the the notions of what makes somebody beautiful. Yeah, beauty. And you know all everything that goes with it. Look, you know, a hundred years ago, I would I was okay to just show a little bit of ankle. Like, you know, now we live in a world where, like, you know, you have these crazy bikinis and the, just the standards of beauty are are, are so skewed from a hundred years ago. And I suspect if we're all here a hundred years from now, it'll be different again. But it's, and so, it, but it's about getting the information out there so that someone considering doing this has all the information and knows what can be caused, you know, what, what, what it can cause... And, you know, makes a fully informed decision. And someone who's suffering has a place to go. Right. And for me, you know, what I've, my fuel to this fire is that I'm not alone. And I think it's very important for 19 years I felt alone and felt I was sick and crazy and stressed and causing my own problems. And now that I know what's causing it, and I have a group of women and men who support me, and we're building this as a movement. And it's one day at a time and really saying to people, I'm going to talk about this issue. And you bringing me on to say, let's talk about your boobs. It's not the most appropriate thing in the era of Me Too. <laughs> but it's necessary because without women standing up and saying this is a problem. And number two is really saying to yourselves, what's important to me? How I look or how I feel? And that's a choice I have to make in the next three weeks. Because as someone who loved my bikinis, who thinks I'm sexy with my boobs, I'm going to look very different. And I'm facing an issue right now that's important, which is do I want to feel good? And if I feel good, well, I look good. And the truth is your boobs are 10% of your appearance, right? If you all look at me, you're not staring at my tits the whole time. But for some reason, as a woman, I genuinely believe that's what makes me so feminine. And so if you think about this movement and X planning, and one of the things I'm pursuing right now is, and I'll go on, is this idea of what sick looks like. 
because I go to the doctors all the time and they say, you don't look sick because I wear glitter eyeshadow and mm-hmm. I do my hair and I have a stylist and I buy these clothes. You're put to, for, for our listeners, they, uh, you're, you're very well put together, I must say. Well, that's actually, you don't look sick. Right, and that's exactly what I hear all the time. And so right now I'm organizing a group of women to stand up and show their tits and say this is sick. Because I really think we need to break down that stereotype of looking a way you feel. And right now, just because you look good doesn't mean you're not sick. Just because you look bad doesn't mean you're not healthy. And looks is such a self-proclaimed thing. Mm-hmm. And so with doctors, I think that's the first line of defense, is these women who get these implants tend to take very good care of themselves because their appearance is important. That's right. And we don't look sick. And the truth is, getting that conception off the table and saying it's not how we look, it's how we feel. And if I can teach anybody that, that's what I've learned in the last 19 years battling this illness, is I will do anything to feel good. Because if I feel good inherently, I'm going to look good. I'm going to smile. I'm going to radiate. I'm going to move forward. It's not about your boobs. No. And I think that's the most important thing I can share with people is that how you feel is everything. And if women pay attention to that, if the men around them pay attention to that, and we open the conversation, that's where change starts. Well, I'm, I, this is a movie that I would, even I would watch this. No, this it's, there's going to be a lot of boobs story. in it. <laughs> I'm like, I think I'll, I'll be okay with it because it's this story. I mean, it is sort of Aaron Brock of Aaron Brockovichian. Um, and you know, in these days there's a lot of content, like I'm watching McMillions right now and like all no, this like, too. oh, and don't fuck with cats. I'm just going to plug that again. Um, so I think this is a fascinating story and, and I'm excited to to sort of be a part of it and to watch it happen. Yeah, thank but you I'm very much. But, but get that security detail, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> These people have money. They don't want to get, we're not going to take it, but they have money. Yeah, well thank you very much for coming on and telling your story. Um, you know, when we post about this, we will, you know, put um, links links to the Facebook group or at least what it's called and the, and the um, you know, the Healing Breast Implants Illness.com Okay. Um, yeah, and, and they can reach out to you on Facebook. You know, they can find you on Facebook. Um, it's not a terribly common name, Kristen Nobles. Um, so thank you for coming on. Thank you, Christine Torres, for coming on. We really appreciate it. And I look forward to, you know, moving forward with you, working on this uh, film, and further shining a light on this important topic. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Enjoy your croissant. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you.